You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Well, good morning, Grace Community Church. If you don't know me, my name's Jeremy. I'm usually upstairs with the youth, so that's probably why you haven't seen me. Uh, I didn't know that VBS video was going to be planned, Um, so fair warning, today's sermon, bit of a downer. (laughs) So wasn't expecting that, like, woo-hoo, but uh, it is what it is. Um, Yeah, so my favorite two books of the Bible are, are Job and Jeremiah. So on the scale of downers, at least we're above... Satan destroying a man's entire life, taking him to the edge of death, and destruction and exile of an entire nation, right? So we're above that in today's sermon in Genesis 29 and 30. You know, when Jay asked me to preach today, I I didn't know how precious this material would be to me. I'm actually going to get the chance to talk to you about most of the things that matter most to me in this life. Suffering family, God's special love for the unloved, kids, I love kids, and names. See, names are identity, right? Names are wrapped up with who we are. In the passage we look at today, Leah and Rachel take turns naming their children. And so as I reflected on this story I thought of, of my naming story, the one that I had naming my son, Elisha, which means my God saves. My wife was 29 weeks pregnant when her water broke, and we were nervous, obviously, going to the hospital, and they said, hey, be prepared. Within 48 hours, she's going to give birth, okay, so just be ready. And my wife, by some miracle of God, for 25 days sat bedridden in that hospital, giving our son three and a half weeks more to grow and develop. Until July 4th, when she got an infection, and so they had to do in an emergency C-section. And so we went, and, and you know, most of the story I didn't know till after the fact, But while we were there, I knew something was amiss. Everyone was frantic and overwhelmed. And what I was told is that the average C-section from incision to delivery takes about 30 seconds. Okay? Our son was in there for three and a half minutes. Right? The longer the child's in there, the more chance there are for respiratory problems or, or, you know, some, some awful thing to happen. In fact, the delivery was so traumatic, when the doctor was maneuvering him around, he actually popped his arm, snapped the bone in his upper arm clean in half, right? So he came out, he's all purple. I was like, is my son about to die on this table when my wife won't even meet him? We went to the NICU, and we ended up meeting a nurse who had been in our delivery And I didn't know the significance of of how great the salvation was until she told us what the doctor said. He'd had a really similar birth just the week prior. 
in which it had taken a long time and the kid was in a breech position, which our son also was, right, on his side. And it was a really hard birth and the baby died. And so this doctor said to this nurse, I know my hands are not capable of delivering this child. I know because I just experienced it. There had to have been another set of hands that delivered that baby. And when we heard that, of course, we were overcome with emotion because we knew whose hands it was. So we named him Elisha. My God saves. Out of our pain and trauma, we came up with that name. And that is what we'll see Leah and Rachel do. Out of their pain and their trauma, they will name their kids based on their trust and the faithfulness of their God. So our passage opens up like this. Oh, the clicker's not working. There we go. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. The three main characters are all in tragic circumstances. Tragic circumstances. Okay? Jacob, who we see first, Jacob is in a situation that he did not create between two wives. Okay, Jacob, here's a recap of where we've come from in Genesis. Jacob, the deceiver who's deceived his brother out of the blessing of their father, now comes to Laban. He's fleeing his brother's wrath. And Jacob comes to Laban, and he he falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. And Laban's like, well, sure, I'll give Rachel to you for seven years of work. So Jacob loves Rachel so much, he works for seven years. And on his wedding night, Leah enters the tent. The deceiver is now deceived. And so Laban's like, hey, no problem. I'll still give you Rachel. Just work another seven years. I'll give her to you now. Work another seven years. And Jacob loves her, so he he does it. But Jacob is in a situation that was not his fault, even though he's getting a taste of his own medicine. This was not Jacob's fault, and it is a tragedy that all of a sudden he's caught in a situation he doesn't know what to do with. Rachel's situation is even more obvious. It says explicitly, she's barren, which we've seen before. And you'll see again throughout the Old Testament. Leah, her situation is that she is unloved. Because of her father's deception, she's married to a man who does not love her. So Leah names her first four sons. Okay, she has four children, and we're going to read about that. So Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. Reuben means, look, a son. Because the Lord has seen my affliction, right? The Lord has looked upon my affliction. She names him, look, a son. 
And Leah says, surely now my husband will love me because I bore him this son. Leah's outcry of hope after Reuben's birth is an all too familiar agony in our society. Maybe we switch the relationships, but the story's the same. How many people do you know who've told the story? I did everything for my dad's love. Everything. Everything in my life I've done to please my father, and he never approved. That's Leah's heartbreak. Look at what I've done. I bore him his firstborn. Surely he will love me now. Then she conceived again and bore a son because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. He has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon, which means heard or hearing. There's a clear connection, as we see in these names, between Leah and the other unloved wife of Genesis, which is Hagar. If you've been with us through this series, Hagar is the other unloved wife. Remember, Sarah mistreats her, and she runs out into the desert. And the angel of the Lord appears to her and says this. Look at the connection. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears. Because the Lord has heard of your affliction. The prophecy goes on, and then Hagar says she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her a God who sees. Hagar and Leah are both unloved. And the question is, How will God answer that? How will God answer that? Leah conceives a third time and bore a son, and she said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So she named him Levi. The word for attached in Hebrew is lava. It's a play on the sounds. Levi, lava. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah, which means praise Yahweh. Then she stopped bearing. So, at this point, many commentators and preachers stop here and say, Hey, look, now Leah's praising God, right? So everything's okay. Right? She kind of messed up on the first three kids. But now that the fourth one's here, Judah, she's praising God. So everything's all right now. I strongly disagree with that interpretation. I'll give you three reasons. One, it's clear that Leah is already a faithful believer. She names her kids after the Lord who sees her, the Lord who hears her. She's already faithful. She knows this God. Two, it's an unfortunate chapter break, but Leah's not done having kids. And she's going to bring Jacob up again because that pain doesn't go away. And three, and this is probably the most important, It minimizes Leah's pain. 
The idea that, oh, guess what? Everything's okay. She started praising God and then everything was fine. That's not true. Her heartbreak is real. I praise the Lord that we don't serve a God who says, put on a smile. When you come before me, if you're going to approach, you better be in a happy mood. Right? We don't serve that God. You know, it's so funny, though, that we still do it, right? We're still like, okay, better warm up the old cheek muscles going to church. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? When your life's blowing up. And yet we all do that, right? How, how many of us can admit, hey, yeah, I was a jerk to my spouse and my kids on the way in. Thankfully, I don't have anything to confess. I drove separately today. So... Save myself on that one. But, but all of that, all of that's to say this. What Leah's cry after Judah's birth is. Can you advance for me? Thank you. One more. Leah has an outcry of resignation after Judah's birth. See, she realizes after Judah's birth that no matter what she does, Jacob won't love her. Sure, it's a cry of praise. She's definitely praising the Lord like she has with all her kids. But she realizes there's nothing she can do to change Jacob's heart. The story goes on. It wants to check in with Rachel and Jacob now and see how they're doing. They argue, and Rachel's going to come up with a familiar solution. Can we advance one more? Thank you. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister, and she said to Jacob, Give me children, or I'll die. Go forward. One more. Thank you. Rachel's shame and anguish are palpable in the way she speaks to her, her husband. Right? You can feel her pain. And we talked about this already. Like with Abraham and Sarah, Sarah's barren. Like with Isaac and Rebecca, Rebecca is barren. So too Rachel is barren, which is an utter shame in that culture. The wife's job is to build a family for her husband, and she can't do it. And she's covered in shame. And you know, Jacob's response is equally understandable. You can go forward one more. Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? What can Jacob do? Right? Is, is he in the place of God? There's nothing he can do to fix her problem. So she says, here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear on my knees that through her I too may have children. Alarm bell should be going off. Who's that sound like? Go forward. One more. Right? If Leah is Hagar, Rachel is Sarah. She has the same solution to the problem. I can't have kids. Well, I've got a maid here. 
Maybe she can bear kids for me. So Rachel gave Jacob her maid Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me and has indeed heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore, she named him Dan. Dan means judge, right? So it says God has judged me, right? He's ruled in my favor, vindicated, and given me a son. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali, which means my wrestling. See, for Rachel, this is a contest. Her sister's at four, I'm at two, and I'm making headway. Here we go. But she's still broken. She still has not borne a child, and we'll see. She's not content. Leah wants to get in on the action, though, right? So she's going to try the same solution. We'll find out Rachel is still trying to conceive, like I just said. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, thank you. Uh, When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad. Gad means fortune, right? Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, happy am I, for women will call me happy. So she named him Asher, which means happy. Okay, before I read this story, full disclosure, this story is hilarious to me, okay? So I'm going to give you uh, the, the JPB, all right, the Jeremy Paraphrase Bible translation, all right? Here's how it goes. Reuben's out, he finds some mandrakes. He's got his mandrakes, he comes back to the tent, his Aunt Rachel sees him. And Rachel goes, hey, give me some of those mandrakes. And Leah sees Rachel, and she's like, no, like, you you took my husband, now you're going to take my son's mandrakes? Who are you? And Rachel's like, hmm, good point. Tell you what, I'll trade you a night with Jacob for some of those mandrakes. And Leah's like, deal. They shake on it, right? Jacob comes in from out in the fields, And Leah says to him, hey, I bought you with my son's mandrakes. See you in the tent. (laughs) Jacob, it's so funny because there's no response on Jacob. I don't know what his response is. Maybe he's like shocked. He's like, whoa, mandrakes. Like, deal's a deal. Gotta honor it, I guess. Or I don't know. Maybe he's like just tired from the day. Like he's been shepherding his flocks all day. He comes in and he's like, Leah's like, I bought you. And he's like, Fair enough. And just like saunters into the tent or something. I don't know. I don't know. It just says that he, he lays with her that night. But here's the thing. If it's a comedy, it's a dark comedy. Because even the humor in it is found in the tragedy of it. Maybe Jacob doesn't respond because he doesn't know what to do in his situation. He doesn't know how to respond, being caught between these two women. Rachel's 
maybe the saddest of all. See, mandrakes are a plant that was widely believed to increase fertility. That's the desperation she has to get it. I'll try anything to conceive. And of course, the great irony is that Rachel gives up a night with Jacob for the mandrakes and Leah gets pregnant. And it's a tragedy for Leah. She has to buy a night with her husband. Can you fathom that? Clearly, we know Leah and Jacob are together some of the time. That's how that works. She's had four kids. But what is it? One out of every ten nights? Less? It doesn't say. It's rare enough she feels she has to buy a night. What an awful situation. Leah has these last two sons and a daughter. God gave heed to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband. So she named him Issachar. Issachar means given me my wages. Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun, which means dwell with me. Some translations will have honor me. Despite her resignation, she can't give up hope that one day Jacob will love her. Surely now after six sons, he must have some affection for me. And lastly, lastly, she bears a daughter names her Dinah, which means judgment. And at the end of our passage, God remembers Rachel, and she bears a son. Whenever you see that word, God remembers, it means he's going to act. When God remembers, he acts on behalf of someone, or he acts on behalf of of a group of people. He doesn't remember and then like, oh, that's a nice thought. He acts on their behalf. So God remembered Rachel, and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She named him Joseph, saying, may the Lord give me another son. Joseph means he added, right? May the Lord add to me another son. In conclusion, we're going to have to look forward to see this, but it's amazing to me, despite all the brokenness we just discussed, God gives grace to all of their situations. And as we look at their situations, I want you to imagine yourself in this story. Who are you in this story? Because I think we all have a place somewhere in this story. Okay, we'll look at Jacob first. God gives grace to Jacob, not by taking him out of this situation. He gives grace to Jacob because the promise is established with Jacob. His family, despite all its pain and brokenness, is the family of God. Remember Abraham? 
God said to him, Isaac, not Ishmael. And then Isaac, God said, Jacob, not Esau. And with Jacob, he doesn't choose a son. They become the 12 tribes of Israel, the family of God. Jacob's still in pain, but the pain and brokenness will not defeat God's grace in this situation that becomes the family of God. And maybe you're in a situation today that wasn't your design. Maybe it's unleashing hell in your life. But here's the thing, and we learn this from Jacob. You can make it worse. You can make it worse. Jacob's favoritism of Rachel and Joseph color the entire rest of Genesis. I'll give you two examples. Remember when finally Esau is going to meet Jacob again. Okay? Jacob's worried. He says, the, the text in Genesis 33 says, Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. Uh-oh. So what does Jacob do? He divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids and their children in front and then Leah and her children and in the back, Rachel with Joseph. Can you fathom what those maids' children felt? Well, Daddy wants to make sure we die first if Esau's coming. Or Leah, looking back once again, there's Rachel. Or how about when he favors Joseph later in 37? Now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him. And they could not speak to him on friendly terms. And it leads to them selling him into slavery, right? Jacob's favoritism is so destructive. And maybe you're in a situation and you need to reevaluate how you've approached people. Maybe that's who you are. The next person is Rachel. The favored one. Right? Rachel's is the easiest to answer. How does God give grace? He answers her barrenness. The text ends with her having a child. Which is great. It's great when you see a, a, a happy ending like that for someone. But to some extent, we're all Rachel's. If you're a Christian in this room especially, you're a Rachel because you can look out for the unloved. And you are favored, children of God. You are a favored people. If you love God, you are favored. And see, the, the trick for Rachel is how to walk the balance beam of not being defined 
by your pain, not being paralyzed by victimhood, and not denying that your pain is real. You don't want to do either of those. We have real pain. Rachel is in real trauma of of barrenness. But she could look out for Leah also. And that's what Christians are called to. Right? Righteousness is to live out of our pain and maybe at great cost to ourselves to love the unloved. We have to think about who those people are in our lives. Who are the unloved in our lives? And worship team, you can come forward. I'm going to wrap up with this. Leah. Maybe you're Leah today. The unloved one. God answers her story, not in what we read, but going forward. God doesn't change Leah's situation. For all we can tell, Leah's unloved for the rest of her life, as far as we can tell. But there are two things that God does for her. One, and this is more far-reaching into the future, it's universal in impact. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lion of Judah. It's through Leah's line that the Messiah comes. Jesus hails from the tribe of Judah. That is an honor for Leah. And the second is more personal, intimate, family-oriented. When Leah dies, we find out what happens to her. Right? Jacob, in Genesis 49, Jacob's about to die. And he blesses all his children. And at the end of the blessing, he says this. Then he charged his sons and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah. There they buried Abraham and his wife Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife Rebekah. And there I buried Leah. It's not Rachel who ends up in the cave of the patriarchs. It's Leah, the unloved one. In death, she is honored. If you are an unloved one in here today, I cannot promise you that God will change your situation. He might, and he might not. But he is a God who will walk with you and beside you. And he will leave you with a legacy greater than you thought possible and make you a better person than you ever thought possible. So as we ponder who we are in this story today, as we get ready to worship and respond, can we be consumed with the love of the Father who in a situation that is broken from all angles, can still find a way to give grace to everyone. My grace.
This is Elisha. My God saves. Yeah. He does show grace. He does show grace. And as I was thinking about this, in the New Testament, Jesus wants to express the love of his father, and he tells a story, and he says this. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. We have a father who is watching and waiting. If you're a Leah today, don't leave. Get introduced to the love of the Father if you have not. Come talk to me. We have prayer teams on the side. Go to them. But don't leave without meeting this Father who loves you so much. Let me bless you and you can go. Go forward now in the limitless love of the Father a love whose depths cannot be plumbed and whose heights cannot be ascertained. Go forward in that love and share it with the world. Amen. Love you, Grace Community Church. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.